Today we're going to be taking a look at what is known as post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD and specifically we're going to be looking at an overview of the symptoms, the history of PTSD, the effects on the brain, and then how we go about treating it. To begin with, PTSD is a distinct type of suffering. It's not like other things that typically heal with time. You've heard of the saying that time heals all wounds. Unfortunately, when it comes to trauma or PTSD, this is not the case. And in fact, many of us find ourselves still affected years later by things that have happened in the past. And I think what's so tough about this and what's so challenging and confusing is that the event is over, but it still affects our lives today. And I especially notice this with people who take a lot of pride and their mental toughness and their grit in order to get through challenges in life. Trauma has incredibly durable effects. In other words, something that happens at five can affect you when you're 55. And I think the idea that we can't just dust ourselves off or grit our way through life is deeply unsettling to many of us. And I just wanna say that I know that some of us watching this right now are incredibly desperate and have been for quite some time. You've prayed, journaled, taken medication, maybe even seen a mental health professional, and yet the symptoms remain. My hope is that this video sheds a little bit of light on what might be going on for you. And before we go on, I want to humbly ask for your consideration in supporting the channel. I, as you can imagine, this has been a labor of love. And let me tell you, it's absolutely been worth it. Uh, I will say that I have a private practice that I still see clients in on a week-to-week -week basis. And my wife and I, we have two kiddos and diapers currently as we speak. And I've been able to do all of this and you know, keep my life going, but it's getting really challenging. When I think about all the guests that I have on, the equipment, the conferences, the research, I'm also in the process of writing two books, all of the emails, and let me just say, you are worth it, it's all worth it. And I'm at a point where I've gotta start raising a little bit of support because the demands are starting to add up and I can't do it all. My goal is to make the content accessible to as many people as possible. And if you do decide to support the channel, I will be releasing exclusive content for Patreon members. And the reason why I do all of this is because you're worth it. You're worth the energy, you're worth the time, the sacrifice. I also believe that this channel is worth it as it is helping many people all around the world to be able to name things that have been going on in them for quite some time. I want to thank you in advance for your support and partnering with me. Please go to my Patreon page listed in the description to support the channel. Thank you. Lastly, please wait until the very end of the video. I have a few announcements coming up that I think you'll really enjoy. And I just want to put a quick disclaimer out. Although I am a mental health professional, I want to be clear that I am not diagnosing anyone and this video is purely a psychoeducational resource. If you suspect that you have PTSD symptoms, I recommend seeing a trained professional. PTSD or trauma has become a bit of a buzzword in our society that seems to be going around and I think some of us might be wondering if trauma is a new development or if it is something that has been around for a while. So I wanna start out with a basic understanding of the history of PTSD. PTSD started to receive serious attention after Vietnam War veterans returned home. And researchers began to notice a specific set of symptoms that were observable within specific populations. And in this case, it was Vietnam War veterans. Those symptoms became the basis for PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder became the clinical name 
for the experience of trauma and was officially recognized in 1980 by the American Psychiatric Association. The technical information for PTSD can be found in the DSM, which is the manual that clinicians like myself use when we diagnose disorders. One of the keys in the diagnosis of PTSD is the word post, meaning after the event. So after the event has passed, an individual or group of people continue to have lingering symptoms that affect their ability to function normally. The second component to diagnosing PTSD is the criterion on what is classified as a traumatic event. For example, was a person directly or indirectly affected? Was the threat real or imagined and so on? This is actually not where I spend my time. And the reason is, is because the research shows that the symptoms over the criterion in terms of what is classified as a PTSD event are what's most important. And as our understanding of trauma advances, what is considered a traumatic event will also evolve. There are four primary categories of symptoms as it relates to PTSD that we're going to take a look at. The first of those categories is intrusion. Intrusive thoughts is when after we go through a damaging experience, we become haunted by the images or memories that are in themselves disturbing. And the key issue is that we don't have control over when the memories get triggered. This is why we get so unraveled when we have these memories that intrusively without our permission sort of come in. And then what happens is, is we don't have the ability to push them out. I think some of us know exactly what this is like. We've tried everything, distracting ourselves with work, with school, with being busy. Ultimately, we can get into addictions. There's all types of things that people do when they have memories of a previous situation that they cannot process. And then those memories get triggered in ways that are beyond our consciousness. And here's the key when it comes to the intrusive thoughts. You don't just remember, you relive. It's like this experience where you get transported back to the past. For example, many of those who went through the September 11th attacks of 2001 are haunted by memories. And many of them, it's not just a memory, it, we're talking about something that got stored inside of a person's nervous system. And I have many folks that reach out who, maybe their experience was in a, in a religious environment, it was in a, in a church setting. And they still remember years later what some sort of leader or member or overseer said to them that damaged them. And it's something that still gets triggered for them. And sometimes the triggers are predictable, sometimes they are not. Unfortunately, when the brain is not able to predict something, it just kind of keeps it on alert all the time, which brings us to the next category, which is avoidance. Avoidance is what our brain kind of does, even without our permission, a lot of times, where we create distance between ourselves and a situation that resembles the traumatic experience that we went through. This can be especially problematic when it starts to affect our job, our responsibilities, our goals, our relationships. So for example, Let's say a firefighter dispatches on scene to a building that is burning. He and his partners go in, and let's say one of the partners doesn't make it out alive. Really horrible, tragic situation that actually happens in life. And let's say the firefighter returns back to work, and there's another call, and they dispatch on scene, and there's another building on fire, and all of a sudden, a firefighter has a panic attack, or they freeze up and they don't know what's going on, but they have all of this anxiety about going back into a burning building. Their brain is in survival mode saying, there's no way you're going back into that building. 
This is classic avoidance that comes from a traumatic experience. And a situation like this rocks a person to their core. It's something that affects their confidence, their job, opportunities, even their income. And when we go through these situations, we absolutely wanna help people psychologically. We want them mentally to have the right associations, but we also wanna help their nervous system get well. And unfortunately, these situations persist for years before people get help. And then they start to evolve into other issues, which leads us to our next symptom, which is negative alterations in cognitions and mood. In other words, when we go through a traumatic experience, it affects how we think and how we feel. When we go through a traumatic situation that shatters us, it affects how we think about the world and how we think about ourselves. It's not uncommon for people to almost feel paranoid. I can't, I can't tell you how many times people almost even think that they're going crazy. I've had people ask, how am I, am I going crazy? Trauma literally makes you feel like you're losing your mind. And that's part of what happens. There's something that gets shattered. There's something that gets splintered in a person as it relates to their ability to feel safe and keep themselves safe or keep others safe. And then we end up with these damaged self-concepts. I can't protect myself. I am weak. Everyone is out to get me. People aren't safe. I can't trust people. I can't even keep myself safe. And I'll just say to tell someone to just get over it, that only adds to the shame. Part of what trauma does is it gets things to go together that shouldn't go together. And things that should go together, now all of a sudden don't go together. They are broken apart. That is how people end up with these toxic assumptions or these damaged self-concepts that people end up feeling like, you know what, I should have been able to prevent the traumatic experience from happening. I should have done something. And the reason why I didn't is because I am weak, is because I am flawed, or I am the source of the badness. I have a video on the four types of negative cognitions. I highly recommend taking a look at that after you watch this video. It really gets into the negative cognitions that result from traumatic experiences specifically. And if these beliefs go unchecked for long enough, we can become hypervigilant, which is our last category of PTSD symptoms. Hypervigilance is the edginess or the tense posture that we have that remains after a traumatic experience. This is our brain's way of staying on high alert so that we can confront or evade another traumatic experience from happening. In other words, it's the brain's way of saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And this is one of the things that I, th I think is so important when it comes to trauma, is that the perception of the threat is decisive. You were dealing with the part of the brain that does not ask for permission. And as a result, the brain keeps the body in a defensive posture. Sometimes though, it's not just a defensive posture that people can remain in. They can actually go into an offensive posture. And often the saddest part of all of this is that people get judged more harshly for their traumatic reactions than people are curious about a person's traumatic experiences. The question has to go from what's wrong with you to what happened to you, something happened. Maybe you've never told anyone. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. Maybe your brain has a couple of blocks. You know, Maybe there's dissociation, there's blocked memories that can happen. At the end of the day, we have to go from what's wrong with you to what happened. There's a book that I just picked up. I look forward to getting into it with Oprah and Bruce Perry called What Happened to You. I highly recommend. I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to actually putting a list of books together on the, like the top 10 reads. Anyway, that'll be coming. When you're dealing with someone who's well defended or it seems like they're always going on the offensive, that's evidence 
that likely there is a traumatic experience that has not been effectively metabolized. Trauma's like this. Trauma's like something horrible happens to you and no one shows up to save the day. No one comes through. You, you literally have to go through a situation that you never asked for, that later on you never wanted to have to heal from, but it's it, you have to go through that and no one showed up. No one came through. No one rescued you from that situation. But somehow you had to go through it and still keep going. Now, our ability to be able to keep going, that resilience that comes from trauma, okay, comes at a cost. The cost is that we become overreactive and unsettled in our responses. So we have these four different categories of symptoms as it relates to PTSD. But the question is, why does this happen? Why does the brain react this way when we go through a trauma? Why, why is it that our brain doesn't allow us when we're now in the present and we want to move on towards the future? Why do we still have to be so deeply affected by things in the past? Well, what our brain wants to do with this experience is it, is it wants to create a story out of it. So when we go through any kind of situation, our brain creates a beginning, middle, and an end to everything that we experience. However, when it comes to trauma, our brain creates the beginning and the middle but it is not able to create the end or that resolution. And when the brain is not able to create resolution, it creates a reflex. That reflex becomes overdeveloped and at some point becomes obsolete. Until the brain gets resolution for what has occurred, we will continue to notice that those reactions exist in the moment. And it's not just that our brain needs conclusion. Our, our brain absolutely needs to know in terms of how it makes associations. It needs to know that the experience is over, but you have to understand where the hypervigilance really comes from. When we go through a traumatic experience, our brain sticks a volume knob on that experience and it turns it way up and we don't have the ability to turn the volume knob down the other thing that trauma does that we don't even know that it does is it gets us to live in one part of our brain versus the other in other words you can think but you can't feel or you can feel but you can't think i did a video on the basics of trauma that i would highly recommend where i go into incredible detail as it relates to all of this. But right now, I just kind of want to give a little bit of a reference to how the brain works, especially when we go through PTSD. And again, our brain is a storyteller. It wants to give end. It wants to give resolution to the story, but it needs both parts of the brain to do that. So unless we can get the brain to think and feel, and I just did a video, the Ukraine video, what's getting kicked up for people, I just did a video on that. In other words, we have to be able to think and feel at the same time. Unless we can do that, our trauma will remain encoded in its aroused state as it relates to our brains. We get stuck in the story when our brain is not able to work properly in order to give us that adaptive conclusion that we so desperately need. And what I'm saying with all of this is that when our story has a whole bunch of holes in it, the brain stays reactive. So when it comes to treating trauma, which I, I can almost guarantee most people will be most interested in this part, I will just say it's not easy. It's actually quite challenging to work with trauma because of the way that encodes itself, not just in terms of a person's thinking, but also in terms of their nervous system. It, it stores itself within a person's body, which is the thing that you really have to have good command and mastery over if you're gonna help people to work through their trauma. In other words, if you don't move it in the body, you don't move it. Oftentimes when I have people come into my practice, and when we first get started on the trauma, most times people want relief. I mean, they've been dealing with this, some, some folks their entire life, 
And one of the things I have to explain to people is that there's a difference between state work and trait work. And what do I mean by that? State work is when we get aroused and we get triggered and overwhelmed and flooded. And let's say on a scale of one to 10, you get up to about an eight or a nine. You have to have the skill of going from an eight to let's say a four, right? Flooded, let's say a six or seven. Okay. If you're an eight or a nine and you don't have the ability to get yourself down through coping skills, prayer, meditation, these types of things, even medication, then we can't do the reprocessing of your trauma because what's going to happen is we're going to get into the reliving because we're going to do reprocessing and reprocessing involves reliving. You're going to get kicked up to that eight or a nine, maybe even more, and you're going to what's called dissociate. Dissociate is another video that I will do in more detail, but that is when our brain kind of has this little circuit breaker and it basically shuts off because there's too much current going on inside of a person and they can't handle it. That will happen if you are not able to get in and out of your states. And so that's what I mean by state work. You have to be able to get in and out of those aroused states. And that window of tolerance that I covered in the video, the what is Ukraine kicking up for you, that window of tolerance has to be expanded to a level where we can safely reprocess and metabolize the traumatic experience. Now, ultimately, we do have to get to the trait work. In other words, how, what's the nature of how the, the trauma was stored? And the reason why this is important is because that's why people are coming in. When you don't deal with the trait work, your coping skills have to work too hard. There's a lot of people, you might even be one of those people watching this video. You have all of the coping skills down. You've got them down pat. You can teach them, you can explain them to other people. But when it comes to the nature of how your trauma is encoded within your nervous system, you do not have relief. You don't have conclusion. Therefore, you continue to be reflexed. And part of it is because is a lot of times people think, well, if we can just help people to understand they're in the present. Okay, time out. Trauma's different. Trauma is one of those things that, again, it gets things to go together that shouldn't go together and things that should go together don't go together. This is where you can have somebody who, quote unquote, is safe in the present. The problem is, is that because of the connections their brain has made, safety no longer decreases arousal. So you have to work with the body. A, a book that I would highly recommend, and I could give you a whole list of authors, but the book that I would start with is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk hands down is the best book that I would recommend for a general audience. And it's very well written. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit neuroscience-y and so forth like that. One of the strengths of the book is that it gives an undeniable presentation of the existence of trauma and how we work through it. And I would say for many of us who have the experience of having trauma when they were young, like myself, from a very young age, and it's still affecting you when you're an adult, Part of the reason for that is that when we go through a traumatic experience, the part of us that goes through the trauma stays young. So oftentimes when I'm helping people to reprocess what they went through, I, I have to work with people as they kind of get into this kid posture to come out of that, to elevate out of that so that we can do now what they couldn't do then so that we can say now and have the experience now that we couldn't have then. Those are just a couple of thoughts that I have on the subject of PTSD. I look forward to doing future videos on complex PTSD, developmental trauma, intergenerational trauma, epigenetics, and so forth. There's, there's many layers to this. And I look forward to touching on that 
as time goes on. All right, now I wanna do a couple of announcements as it relates to content that I've got coming up that I'm really excited about. I've got a video on what is safety or emotional safety that I'm gonna be doing. A lot of people have been talking about safety and I think it's important, as, especially as it relates to churches and a religious context that we understand what is safety. Most people do not have the ability to articulate what that is. I'm looking forward to doing a reaction video on the trauma in Encanto. I, I can't tell you how many reaction videos there are as it relates to Encanto. I love that movie. I cannot wait to get into all of the particulars of the trauma that we see in Encanto. Another video that I'm looking forward to doing is what to look for in a trauma therapist specifically. And I think some of us are like, do I need to see a trauma therapist or do I need to see a quote unquote different type of therapist or regular therapist or psychologist, whatever it may be. I wanna get into specifically what do, what do we look for in a trauma therapist? I'm really excited about next month. Next month in particular, I've got some key interviews with folks on some really important subjects that many of you have been asking for for quite some time. Uh, I've got a two-part series coming up with Dr. Douglas Jacoby. I've had him on the channel before. We are gonna be covering two videos, one on what is a cult, and what is religious bullying? I'm gonna have additional blogs and content though for my Patreon members and it will be exclusive to them only. I've, got, I've also got an interview with Dr. Glenn Giles. He is an incredible scholar, but we're gonna be talking about church discipline as it relates to disfellowshipping. I can't tell you how many people have had negative experiences when it comes to someone being asked to leave, whether it was them or a family member and so forth. And so we need to get into what the Bible says about disfellowshipping and what is a biblical approach. And then the video after that will cover how to restore someone if they've been disfellowshipped. I'm gonna make a special announcement that extends to our ministers. I'm a part of a minister's health committee that puts out resources and webinars to ministers all around the world to assist them as it relates to their mental health and their trauma. Later this month, we're going to be having a webinar specifically aimed at ministers on the topic of Sabbath. And the reason why I bring this up and why that's important in this video is last year I ran across a research study and here's what the research findings showed. That ministers in this study that observed a Sabbath saw a 30% reduction in PTSD symptoms. Now you think about that for a moment. Any medication, any approach, any modality, if, if you can show that there's a 30% reduction in PTSD symptoms, that's something that's gonna get everyone's attention. And I really, really wanna invite you and implore that if you're a minister, and because the research also shows that ministers, although they report the lowest uh, symptoms as it relates to recent and, and, and current trauma symptoms, ministers score the highest as it relates to PTSD symptoms and from the past. And so it's really important. I really wanna invite you if you are a minister to that webinar, all of the details will be put in the description. Again, I wanna ask you to please consider supporting the channel. Go to my Patreon page. Again, the link is in the description of this video. I wanna thank you in advance for your support. God bless.